Christian, and welcome back to the show. Thank you. So today we are a little bit on the street, or rather, we are embarking on our third visit back to the world of economic independence. So for those of you that haven't listened to it the last time, we can say that we have previously talked more about the savings rate and different kinds of savings. But we mentioned in the last episode that we had a cliffhanger for more technical discussion coming up, which will be this one today. So maybe as to kind of brush off the conversation real quick, could you start a little bit on where we talked about last time with the, the four buckets and stuff like that? Yeah, so to summarize the four buckets is that everyone should have a buffer and then some safer investments that are not uh, something that you need in the next year. So depending on your situation back then. And if you're a standard retired person, you don't have uh, these kind of buckets uh, since you have a safe monthly income from the government. And if you want to have the same situation as a retired person, then you actually need both the second bucket and a, a bucket that you can actually live off. So that would be the third that is investing in the stock market most or similar. Investment. And then you can have a fourth bucket that is basically your more speculative investment. If you that fourth bucket would be your more fun investment. Yeah, that's a very good summary of what we talked about last time. And um, if I understand correctly, it's still according to one's own preferences, which allocation you want on each bucket. So, or is it more of a general heuristic? Like you should not have more than, for instance, 50% on one bucket and 20% on another, because that will be a good introduction to our discussion today. Say that again. So, um, for instance, we have the four buckets, as you told about. So, as a general rule, should we have, for instance, 5% in the fourth bucket and uh, 25% in the third bucket and other stuff? So, let's say if we have a particular money to save each month, then I guess it all comes down to personal preference. For instance, like, okay, out of these four buckets, I want to spend a certain percentage on that one and a certain percentage of another. So, I guess that is it true that there is no standard way to, um, you could say, divide different buckets? Or is there a helpful advice for people have not saved yet? So as we spoke last week, it really depends on your situation and your goal and your possibility of decreasing your expenses. And so if you have a big annual expense, let's say that you have five children and you are one stay-at-home parent and one working parent, it's a very different situation than if you are a student living in a small apartment sharing with a flatmate, then you could have a very cheap housing, not that much fluctuation in uh, schooling cost, for example. So I would say that to each, it's their own in how they need to create a buck work for them. And it's also a case of, do you feel like you need a big safety net? Do you feel like you could be frugal in case you ended up being unemployed more time than you expected? Or would you? And also, if you know that you are not confident in fluctuation of the stock market or the risk of owning your own apartment and renting out part of your apartment, then that also changes your calculation quite. And that's good to keep in mind as well. So you mentioned calculation, and I think we should actually do some calculation just to show how much it influences how much you save per month, per year, etc. So we probably heard for as a general rule, like, okay, you should save at least 10% each month. Pay yourself first, as one might call it. So let's do an example. If, for instance, me or other people save 10% of the derived income each month, what can we expect in terms of uh, uh, estimated time for uh, achieving financial independence? So yeah, so even, even here, when we have a very 
straight Lie number, it's actually not as straightforward as you might. So we have to also say that you have no uh, say, you have nothing invested in an, yeah. an apartment or on the stock market. Let's say we're starting from zero. <laughs> exactly. Let's say that you graduate, you have yeah. a very low paying job and you have very high housing costs. If this is your situation, then we can basically say that we have to hope that your ex- uh, your income will go up and that your exam, which is actually realistic. But let's say that you live in a situation where you cannot improve your uh, situation. You cannot decrease your costs and you will have a low salary for the rest of your life. If that's the situation, then we would say that you will forever have 10%. And then you can actually, if you Google um, fire calculator, you can find a calculator and put in this number. And I believe with 10%, uh, you have 51 years till you can retire. Assuming then that you stay at 10% and that you put all of it in the stock market and have the average return as the stock market has had in the last 100 years. Okay, so let's say that uh, this person is 20 years so just for the sake of argument and uh, if it's 51 we can pretty much expect that when uh, the person is at its 70s then it can start retiring so to speak in this example so um, my question would be because you mentioned that some people prefer low salary is, is that the case that many people would maybe value other other aspects rather than growing inside the profession have you seen such samples where you have uh, interacted with other people i'm surprised that it's actually very uncommon and unpopular that as your salary goes up quite uh, most people actually stay working at similar percentage so basically they just get more money in the bank account and don't really put that money into any good use okay so that's good to know but one question i have with the 51 years until the retirement so to speak because in sweden i believe that um, you no- normally retire from uh, 65 years of age so there is usually some uh, taxes and uh, other kinds of pension agencies going around as well. So let's say that a particular person gets his uh, allocated pension as usual to the orange envelope, as we call it. Would you say that it's still beneficial to save at all, despite the fact that if he continues working, that he will retire at 65 anyways with a standard pension? Or is it more like you want to add more money to the existing pension so it's more like okay now i can pretty much double my standard of living when i am retired i would once again say that it really depends on if you want to have an expensive uh, pension or do you want to live frugally throughout your entire life yeah that's a good answer so let's increase saving percentage because now we cover the 10 percent, which probably is more of a modest way of saving but let's go up to 20 percent. can we expect that the years until retirement has now been cut in half from 51 to roughly bit more than 25 years or is the math different what do you say there so one key thing to think about here is that since stop no saving in this calculation actually not quite that simple since in the beginning most of the money that put in will be the cost quiz and at the end uh, it's actually going to be not that impact how much save so how much you save in your first seven years saving is more important how much you save starting from here because the stock market essentially doubles every year so it actually it goes down quite a lot lower so it's 37 years Okay, so you mentioned that you have to be more careful in the first seven years or to be less careful in terms of what saving percentage you want to be at or how I misunderstood. Exactly. So the, the longer time you have money invested on the stock market and the money you save in the first seven years is going to double more times than the money you save later. Okay, so that would be a good incentive to, and I guess that's the common standard nowadays, to start as soon as possible and uh, make sure to get that habit in because, yes. yeah, you the first do, uh, So there's a good note 
that uh, exemplifies that a person who works uh, overtime for seven years and saves, let's say, 10% of the salary uh, in order to have an uh, extra nice retirement. If they do that for the first seven years uh, of working, uh, they will have the same amount of money as someone who doesn't work overtime for these first seven and then for the rest of their life work overtime. Uh, so you could either work overtime for the first seven years of your career or you would have to work overtime for the remaining 40 years of uh, your working career to have the same uh, savings. That's so it's crazy. A really good, yeah, <laughs> it's a really good example. Yeah. And that's I mean, really the key of FIRE that if you save 100% of uh, your if your saving rate is 100 for seven years uh, then you essentially could say that you don't need any money. Uh, you will have the save. If your income is exactly if you can save as much money as you need every month by 100% saving then after seven years you could just live off that you have that that which you have saved in those seven years okay so maybe we should go off a tangent then because maybe it is possible to have what you say be in a position in which you can pretty much save the entire income for just seven years if you know like okay i'm going to invest the seven years i have to basically make sure that whatever comes after that will be on my own terms so um would for instance i'm trying to figure out how to do it in practice do you have any tip no <laughs> but, but still it's a very good way to frame it like okay the more you invest in the beginning it will be much better later and actually a lot in terms of percentage and stuff like that i didn't know that uh, over time the first seven years were so important for the rest of the curve so to speak because that speaks to the fact that you should take advantage of your youth and uh, health and other kinds of surplus of energy in order to uh, make sure to provide for the future so to speak so with that i want to raise the initial savings rate to 50 percent. would you say that it takes less than 20 years now to get where you want in terms of independence so at 50 percent savings rate assuming that you have no starting it will be about 17 years okay so less than uh, 20 so we can say that uh, before he or she has his 40th birthday then it will be a um, what can you say spectacular <laughs> life going forward on your own term but how about we are a little bit more extreme than that for instance 80 percent like if you're living in a small apartment together with other people you only eat certain diet doesn't require much in terms of expenses you have everything you want uh, uh, pretty much within your local area including your uh, friends and relatives and stuff like that so you don't need to pretty much be lavish you can get what you want so if we save like 80 percent for seven years what will happen yeah so that's when you would only need seven years re capital that could give you the same after inflation capital that you need okay so, um... so then you can say five, uh, you could uh, consider yourself financially independent after but um, yeah, I guess it comes down to like the lifestyle choices right now and make sure to really compare what you want compared to uh, how much it costs. So um, I think we mentioned in the previous episode that there were other kinds of fire as well, because now we covered like from the most basic saving to the more extreme variant, although the extreme variant will be uh, good as well if you have uh, the means to do it. But one term that I picked up upon was barista fire. So what does it mean in this context when we talk about savings rate and stuff like that? This is something to be mindful of. Yeah, so barista fire is essentially similar to the flamingo fire we talked about that um, you first save up quite a lot of capital but not quite as for a fire but rather first you have a good safety net you have your uh, you have your three buckets that are quite full but your third bucket isn't as full as it would be for a complete fire it could be halfway there it could be slightly more slightly less depending on what your side job your complementary income job be so this is basically why it's called barista fire you could work as a barista for a few months per year 
year, or you could work part-time with a job you like, every like a few hours every week, or you could be an author and expect to have very low income for the most uh, part, or you could be a musician. You could have many different kind of side hustles that you find enjoyable, and you don't really need the income. Having that income means that you could go on vacation, for example. Yeah, personally, I would think that because um, yeah, I come from a music background as well, and trying to establish myself within writing and content creation, that you probably have some kind of calling, whatever you want to call it in your life. So then you kind of get like the best of both. You get to do what you really want during most of the days and still have some flexibility to uh, pretty much go where you wish. So let's say if people are interested in the, in the fire aspect, would you first advise them to go barista or more go vanilla if that's the term? I think it's really up to what kind of situa- life situation you have at the moment and what kind of end goal you have. Okay, because um, one thing that I want to discuss later is like what happens after that. But before we do it, I want to touch upon the other term, which I found quite uh, interesting as well, which was flamingo fire. So um, how does it relate again to the savings? We mentioned previously that it was kind of nest egg, but how should people think about it in terms of saving for now if they want to develop pink feather? Yeah, so flamingo really relates to what we have been calculating now. So in the case of flamingo fire, you basically do what we do now, that you start with zero money in your saving, uh, and then you work at saving as much until you have reached 50%. So let's say that we, we did this calculation saying that you actually know what your annual expense and you know that you're going to have the same annual expense in the next 100 years. And then you can say that I will save to half of this amount. And once I reach half a month, then I can work part time with a different job that I like more that might pay much less, but it will give me enough money to sustain myself for 10. And then you could basically see this nest egg when you have half of your end goal money. And then you could just watch this grow while you sustain yourself from this part time work. So that's essentially this uh, flamingo fire. Okay, so let's say as an example that we first save 50% of our income, how long does it take before we can pretty much experiment with our nest egg? I guess it will be quite a short duration. Could you clarify? So we have to save a little bit before we can pretty much let the nest egg go by itself. So um, if we save half of our income, monthly income, can we expect it like uh, five to seven years before we can uh, do what we want as a part-time while it's growing? Or do we have to be a little bit more optimistic or pessimistic in terms of time perspective going forward? So this is not quite that easy. It, depends okay. on, it really depends on your savings rate. And in this case, we probably should assume a more realistic scenario. Uh, so for example, your savings rate will not be the same your first year uh, starting in a new career as your last you will most likely have much higher income and you usually end up having more expense if you want if you know that you want many children uh, you should probably take that into account for example even if you have zero at the moment so in a realistic scenario you could uh, assume to know how big nest need and you cannot assu- uh, assume how much uh, savings rate you can have but once again it's really is the case of uh, same thing as when we did our first place starting with zero uh, here we're not trying to reach 100% here we're trying to fit so same thing here that if you have 80% savings rather than having seven years until you hit fire, you will basically have four years until you hit half fire because in such a short period, it's not so much about the, the uh, compound interest. It's more a case of just saving a lot of money and then once you hit half your fire amount, letting the compound interest happen. So four years is like a very short time compared to 51 years. So I guess that many people, if they want to be serious about it, could pretty much say, okay, these next four years be 
be dedicated to this project. Have you seen people do it in uh, practice, this kind of flamingo preparation and going forward? I would say for most people, it's not really a case of deciding that this is what I'm going to do because you should, uh, starting out from finishing university, know that your investment will work itself out as long as you live frugal and continuously invest your money on the on a safe investment. So you shouldn't really try to say that for sure in four years I will be halfway. It should be more a case of finding a job that you find meaningful, that you enjoy. I think for most people that I know, those are higher priority because if you find a job that you find meaningful and enjoy and you get a good salary from, of course you get that because you enjoy it. That's actually more important than quickly having a high salary from a job you don't like. Yeah, that's good to know and many people unfortunately have it backwards. So now that we've discussed both barista and flamingo, are there any other kinds of flavors or are these two the most uh, referred compared to uh, the classic one? Are there more uh, kinds of fire we should know about? So we should probably uh, remind ourselves of uh, the levels of fire, which yeah. is essentially when you say that you save 80% for seven years. During these seven years, you will basically go from being at level zero, where you, if you retire now, you will <laughs> starve. Uh, and then during your last, you could essentially say that I could do fire now, but then I will have decreased my daily expense, uh, but I don't want to do that. So I want to save for another year so that I can do a more enjoyable fire. So I'll fire level seven. Okay. And it's so, also important to yeah. say that, so fire six uh, is basically that in case I find a job that I enjoy, that I don't think I will get any income from for the next 10 years, but I can do it anyway, because it's okay for me to live off my savings and have my savings go down because I find this passion project. Let's say you want to write and you don't want to wait another two years till you have enough live off your income, uh, live off your interest. You could just live off your savings instead. So let's just go to the, we could call it the finish line, but it's really not, but the chasm from, okay, now I can start live off my expense, stuff like that. First of all, it's, it, I'm sure that it it's a very liberating feeling, but how do you go from there? I've heard that there's a thing called the 4% rule, but how does it work in practice? Yeah, so the 4% rule refers to that once you have reached level 7, where you know that I have about 25 times as much money saved as my yearly expense, uh, and that's basically the referring to the 4% that then you could take this 125 or 4% of your uh, savings and put that on a bank account, and then you could for one year live off this, and then after one year, uh, you expect your stock portfolio would increase by, on average, 8%, and then inflation will eat up 2 of these percent, and the fluctuation in the stock market will eat up another 2%, because some years it will go down rather than up. Uh, so then you still have to take out some money stock, even though your portfolio has risk, and that actually eats up quite a lot on a long-term perspective. Uh, so for some people, 4% is considered high, uh, because you might end up having a decade quite poor performance just after you do your fire, and then you could actually end up having that you end up living more and more frugal because of these ten, first 10 years such bad performance and then you could be eating a big part of the portfolio but assuming that you have on an average 8% per year and inflation stays about percent uh, then you could say that 4% is actually less than you could live off you could theoretically live on 6% assuming that the stock market just performs as good as it does on average okay so when you talk about like living after 6% of what currently in there in terms of the yearly expense if you go back to the four buckets analogy 
you again. Do you skim off from each bucket like, okay, 6% from this one, 4% that one, or is it more like you, because I'm interested to see how um, how you basically withdraw yeah. the... Uh, so the four the buckets uh, has a good analogy that when you have a fixed income, you basically pour in your money in the first bucket until this bucket overflows. So your first bucket is a tiny bucket. And as soon as you have, let's say, one salary worth of money in this bucket, it is full. And then all the money that comes into this bucket, it should still come in here. But when it overflows, it will flow down to the second bucket that is below it, essentially. And it's bigger uh, and therefore it will hold more money. So this is the analogy uh, that is a nice way of representing the four bucks. So you pour in the mo- uh, money from your salary into the first bucket. And then once the first bucket is full and the second bucket, then it starts pouring in the third bucket. So the second bucket might be one year worth of money. So this will be your fire uh, buffer, essentially. And this third buffer, uh, bucket, that's where you have your, these uh, stock invest, for example, or your housing invest, where you have most of your money invested. And this bucket will essentially never be full. This is an, <laughs> a bucket that is enormous. Uh, and this fourth bucket will basically be taken some scoops off from this second bucket or really the third bucket uh, when you feel like you have something more fun to do. But you should essentially just pour money into this third bucket and hope that it never goes empty. Because when you then in reverse take money from this third bucket, you should put it in the second bucket that should always stay full. So you could either, as I did simplified in this example, once a year, put a lot of money from your third bucket, the second bucket, and then take scoops out of it into your first bucket. Or you could essentially every month uh, take some money from the third bucket to the second bucket and then to the first. But your first bucket should never stop being full. And that's really the key when when you say that now I have hit fire, now I will stop pouring money into the first bucket from my work uh, income. Then you have to start scooping in the reverse. And that takes more effort. As you can hear from the scooping, uh, it's actually some work to either you monthly scoop from this third bucket to second bucket to bucket, or you could scoop once per year from the third bucket to the second. But when it comes to the first and second, you should basically, as soon as you uh, take anything from the first bucket, it should be scooped from the second bucket. And that's why the second bucket shouldn't be on the stock market, because it could be that you have to fix some expensive thing with your bike, for example, or you have some cost in your apartment, let's say that the fridge breaks down, or you feel like uh, you need to do some renovation that's unexpected. Then you actually have to have a lot of money in the first and second bucket. Okay, so uh, I must admit that I haven't really thought about the buckets because previously I thought the buckets were like, okay, uh, horizontal line. But seem as say, or you can see that, okay, the first bucket is within the second bucket, that is within the third bucket, and the four buckets kind of doing it on its own. Then it's easy to see, okay, now it naturally flows to a certain level and it flows to another, stuff like that. So um, when it comes to the flowing in reverse, I guess that you take a good look on third bucket and make sure how much you could pour back to the second bucket just to kind of summarize what you mentioned earlier yeah so there are different thoughts about how to do this and i think for most the way i've simplified it now is not the ideal way of doing it so you really should either have safety margin to fire uh, to do fire so that you're not exactly at four percent you might want to have that you're actually quite a bit above this if you think it's possible for you but let's say that you do it bare bow. you know that in worst case scenario you will be eating lent for a year if you know this fine uh, then you could basically say that i will take out one year worth of money to have in this second bucket because usually just the, the day before you do fire you don't really want to have an entire year's worth of money in your second bucket unless you really know that you need it uh, but uh, essentially the size of this second bucket could be smaller and large, larger depending on where in your life you are if you know that the second bucket needs to be big because big expenses to you like um, having a car having children for example that need that stretches your second bucket um, so in my case my second bucket varies because i don't need to have a big second bucket but when it comes then that you do fire then you actually need to increase the size of the second buck so that you can always scoop from it. it should never be possible for it to 
be half, um, if it's half empty, it's problematic once you do fire. So then you actually need a way of either increasing the size of the bucket and filling it by then taking out, for example, three years worth of money from your third bucket to your second. Or you would every few months pour quite a lot of money from your third bucket to second bucket. Okay, so the reason why you don't want to have um, too low amount second bucket is just to ensure that it doesn't run out too early, so to speak? Yes, that's essentially it. But it's also a case of if the stock market goes 50% down and you just emptied your second bucket and then Oops. you feel like, oh yes, now I'm supposed to take out uh, quite a lot of money from this third bucket that's gone down by 50 Then you feel like, oh, I should probably wait and live on lentils for a few months until this the situation has improved. And then it's good to know that your second bucket is big enough so that if the stock market has had a really bad year or even two bad years, you could actually allow it to go down a bit or you could allow yourself to do some barista work, increase your barista work so that you don't feel like your entire uh, fire situation has deteriorated. <laughs> to make sure that the fire situation is not on fire. So, yes, exactly. so um, as some kind of a last question, I guess that the first bucket is still the primary and you scoop up from the second bucket um, as usual because it, it's not really like the water is coming in from another place. You have to pretty much generate from yourself and for each month expense you pretty much go from the second bucket so before it was the tap but now it's the second bucket in which you hold your hands in the first bucket to do what you've previously done just to give a brief clarification yes and since we haven't really spoken about what is in this second bucket um, so I propose to remind people that the point of this second bucket why don't we just pour money from the third to the first bucket the point of this is that since the money in the second bucket could be more than entire years worth money it's so much money that you don't really want to have it in wallet you don't want to have it in your bank account with no interest because then inflation will eat up. So you still want it invested in some safe, for example, bond or a bank account with something. So you actually want to contact your bank and say that I will, I'm willing to not use this money for an entire year uh, if you give me a decent interest. So that's really why we have this. It's so much money that you know that you could live off it for an entire year or several years. Uh, and therefore, it's too much money to not have any interest. Okay, that's very good to know. Thank you so much for the answer. So we have reached the end of this episode. Do you think that there will be, we should spend the upcoming one on for instance topics that we haven't talked about in regards to financial independence for instance you mentioned the second bucket if you should go more deeper to it since it apparently has a primary role once you uh, cross the line so to speak and also talk about life after fire so would you pretty much give a segue on what we can expect or if we can expect more talk after this one as you say I think all of those subjects should be dwelled in into detail and it's a case of where, where you want to start yeah so let's do it because the third one because now we covered the whole series the first one was an overview the second one was saving third one was a little more technical but now we come into the bucket <laughs> to our bucket list which will be the next episode and uh, until then i want to say thank you very much dnmo for partaking in this third episode to quest to basically dominate our life situation thank you